0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Psalms 37, verse number 3, starting, the Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Amen. This morning, just want to just speak along these lines of commit your way. Everybody say, commit your way commit your way. Let's pray this morning. Father I come uh, to you today and we need you Jesus in this place. God, I pray, Lord, upon every hearer, Lord Jesus. Your word is already God, just bolstered, Lord God, with anointing. I pray, oh, Lord, today our hearts and our minds, God, as we would lean in, God, to the subject matter of your word this morning. God, that our lives and our hearts, God, to be enriched, God, by it. Lord, we'll give you the praise, Lord, for what you do, for what you accomplish. Lord Jesus, in this place, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everyone say amen. amen. Shake a hand with someone near to you, if you will, this morning before you're seated. Amen in God's house. Hallelujah. Commit, commit your way. Commit your way. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Throughout the scripture, uh, whenever we investigate the word commit and the instances in which it is used in the word of God, for the most time, when the word of commit is used, most instances it is coupled with other words like uh, iniquity and whoredoms and adultery, fornication, evil, trespasses, abomination, sin, wickedness, you get the idea, lewdness. Most times when the word commit uh, appears in Scripture, it's uh, coupled with one of those words. Those were uh, the type of committals that were taking place, the type of things that people were committing. However, we have a, a uh, something that's quite on the opposite or converse to those things that we find here uh, through the psalmist David is Psalms 37. At uh, one place in Scripture and here, but at one place in Scripture, he admonishes the people to commit their works or their deeds unto the Lord. And it is here in the Scripture that David is telling us to commit our way unto the Lord. Now, he's not... He's not telling us commit to the lord a road he's not saying commit to him a path or uh, commit to him a trail in your life but he is really referring to an individual's entire life commit your way commit your entire life unto the lord and how how you live that life commit it wholeheartedly unto the lord in a certain sense this morning whenever we talk about and uh, commitment's not a dirty word i know people cringe sometimes when you talk about commitment But commitment in many ways is somewhat synonymous with consignment. You ever been to a consignment store or had anything that you put through or in a consignment store? Perhaps you had some clothes uh, that you outgrew or undergrew. We'll go either direction, all right? And uh, you wanted to take them to the consignment store and offer them to them as merchandise to sell. And whenever you do that, the moment that you give those clothes or those items to that individual, uh, you just gave them full rights to barter, to negotiate, whatever, to bring some type of sale to that item that you gave to them. You gave them free disposal, if you will, to do what they needed to do in order to sell the item. And so our consignment or our commitment, if you will, with our lives is very similar to consignment because we take our, our, our lives and our ways and the way in which we live our lives and we give them to the Lord and we say God whatever you need to do uh, whatever needs to be added whatever needs to be subtracted we give it unto you a lot of times we even speak in terms of Old Testament scripture of God's people making a covenant with the Lord we see of Abraham making a covenant with God but we must understand Abraham he, he left his land everything that he was familiar with his former life everything that he had known uh, to be led of the Lord and directed by the Lord he abandoned his itinerary and he took upon himself the itinerary of God. It was his means and way of commitment. Because covenants are just not one way. They're bilateral. We, we got to somehow uh, give some claim to the Lord. We got to buy into the covenant. We have a side of it that we must uphold uh, so that the other party involved can uphold their side of the covenant as well. Amen. When we talk about commitment or we talk about consignment, we might also talk about a property that is unencumbered. Unencumbered property is a property that has no liens against it, no claims on it, no attachments, so that a new owner that gets ownership of that property, uh, they have unlimited unlimited rights because there's no liens to the property. Nobody else has a say-so. Nobody else has anything against that. They have complete control of the land. And so that is, in essence, a real commitment. The Oxford Dictionary says that commitment is an obligation that restricts freedom of action, especially financially like a financial commitment. Whenever you're committing uh, ourselves to God, we uh, restrict ourselves from any freedom of action because we're not going by our own deeds now. We're giving ourselves into a higher power and we're doing whatever pleases Him. We want to be obedient to the Lord. The children of Israel understood this very well. Uh, under the leadership of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, the Word of God states these words, if you wish to turn there, in Joshua 24 in verse number 15, uh, he's speaking to them this is very uh, well we, we understand these scriptures we've heard them preached and taught on several times and he says if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord he says choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord So you remember then the setting of the scripture where he told them, he was bringing them to a place uh, that he wanted a commitment from the people. He wanted a commitment from them. As Israel would be, they oftentimes fell prey to serving other gods. He says, I want your commitment to serve the one true Lord. And he made a reminder of them. He said, now listen here. He says, you got to choose this day whom you're going to serve. And the people began to rehearse everything that God had done for them. They begin to remember how God did bring them out of the place of Egypt, a place of bondage. They begin to remember how God did preserve them in the wilderness. They begin to remember the signs and the miracles they did experience in that wilderness journey. And the Bible tells us that they spoke then after they begin to remember all of these things that God had done for them, that they spoke very plainly and said, therefore, we will also serve the Lord in verse number 18 and remembering what God had done for them and the perks that they had as being in relationship with God, thinking on all those things, they said, you know, therefore, because of that, because of all these things God has done for me, because of being brought out of Egypt and all these things God has blessed me with, the signs and miracles that we were witnesses of, How because of all that, Joshua, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua does something very interesting right here. Just after they said... We will serve the Lord. Joshua looks back at them and says, you cannot serve the Lord. Now, how would you feel? How would you feel if all of a sudden here you say, yeah, I'm going to serve the Lord, and someone looks back, you can't serve God. Well, some of you'd have probably hair standing on the back of your neck. Might be a little, did you not hear what I said? I thought, I, I, didn't, I didn't stutter, I didn't communicate. Uh, we're going to serve the Lord. What Joshua was getting at is this. He says, You said therefore we will also serve the Lord and your commitment to serve him was just based upon everything that he had done for you. He brought us out of Egypt so we'll be committed to the Lord. He preserved us in the wilderness so we'll be committed to the Lord. We had signs and miracles that were done uh, among us by his end. Okay, so we'll serve the Lord. Joshua says I want you to understand something. There's not always going to be a sign. It's not always gonna be a miracle. There's not always gonna be water flowing from a flint stone. There's not always gonna be manna falling from heaven. There's there's not always gonna there's gonna be times you don't even know God seemingly around. And I wanna know, are you gonna serve God then? Are are you gonna be committed when seemingly there's nothing coming down the pipeline from heaven to you when you can't perceive God, when you can't feel God? Times when you feel like God's even against you, are you gonna be committed? Because the blessings of God, they come and they go. We add them in our life, we experience them, but they're not just a constant flow that's always there. There's sometimes you walk in a valley and there's sometimes you walk on the mountain. He says, I'm glad you can be committed when God's doing things for you, but can you be committed when seemingly nothing's being done for you? You're going to be committed to God so that's the reason he said yeah all these things they've done so therefore we will also serve the Lord he's trying to tell them if that's the only leg amen that your commit is, commitment is standing on he says you can't serve God right. Come on, man. because it's not always like this right. Come on, man. they said okay they understood then the gravity of their commitment they understood then what they were really committing to what they were doing And so after that they, they did affirm that they will they will serve the Lord. They will commit unto the Lord. And as a result of that, Joshua, Joshua made a reminder for them about the choice that they had just made. The Bible says he took a great stone in verse 26 of Joshua 24, that he took a great stone. And he set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. So that every time that they went to the sanctuary of the Lord, it would be an emblem, a memorial, if you will, reminding them of the commitment that they had made this day, that they would serve, that they would commit to the Lord, even when it wasn't uh, the signs and the miracles that they experienced in the wilderness, that they would stay committed to the Lord. If I may submit today, one of the reasons why some people do not stay committed to God is because they never make a memorial of those moments they commit to God. They do not have a point of reference. He set that up at the sanctuary. They're coming to the sanctuary. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, I remember when. But if you don't have anything in your past that's a memorial about the time that you stood in God's presence and that blubber came out of your mouth how you was going to do this or you vowed that or you committed this if you never made a memorial then whenever you cast your eyes over your shoulders uh, it doesn't call to memory the things that you have committed to God it is important to make memorials during those times of commitment so that whenever life does what life does you'll have a point of reference you can look back to and say hold on I can't go here I can't do that I can't do this because back here so many years ago or so many weeks ago I told God God it doesn't matter what happens what comes I'm going to be committed to you people who find themselves out of commitment never built a memorial concerning the things that they had committed unto God it's vitally important that we do that we will serve the Lord we, we will be the bondservants of the Lord we will be servants of the most high God amen and whenever we commit ourselves to the Lord, that doesn't do away with our trial. It doesn't do away with our difficulty. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse number 13, you'll just turn to these areas of Scripture with me today. But in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 13, the Bible states these words. We're going to the book of faith, Hebrews 11:13. 13. The Bible says these all died in faith returned. Speaking of Abraham, Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God but the scripture plainly says that if he had been mindful of that country from which he had came out of then he might have had opportunity to have returned. (laughs) In other words if Abraham constantly pined for the Ur of Chaldees in his heart and his mind he was constantly pining for the Ur of Chaldees occasion would have given place for him to go back to his old way of life, to his home from whence he came. But he was not looking that direction, nor was his heart <laughs> or his mind toward that direction because he had made a commitment, amen, to seek for that country whose builder and maker was God. insomuch that whenever he went out, he did not even know where he was going, Scripture says. When God told him to go, he went not knowing where that destiny would be, but just as as a a byproduct of his commitment, he went and he looked for that city. Amen. And he could not go back because he had a heart and a commitment that was already made. His commitment ahead of him was greater than the commitment he had made behind him. Amen. And we see though at various times Uh, distinctions in scripture, that that isn't always the case with people. We could have uh, the story of Lot's wife and we see that was not the case with them. God was calling them out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. He even told them they need to get out and the Bible says then while Lot yet lingered. They still lingered in that place after God said we need to get out of here and the angels of the Lord came and by their blessing and by their help got them out of that city. Amen. But uh, here's Lot's wife. Here she is in her journey going to that place of safety and her longing to return aborted her whole deliverance because she was more committed to what was behind her than what was in front of her. And as a result of that, it aborted her complete deliverance because she had a heart more for the beggarly elements of the old life than that was ahead of her. That was in front of her. Amen. Amen. Andrew Carnegie said this he said the men who have succeeded are men who have chosen one line and stuck to it Amen. just stick with it the Bible also tells us of another story in scripture of Second Samuel if you wish to turn there 2 Samuel chapter 23 just to commit our way our way, our life what we do with that life unto the Lord 2 Samuel 23 and verse number 11. The Bible says, and after him was Shammah the son of Agi, the Herite. The Philistines were gathered together into a troop. There was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground, defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. There is in the closing of the words of David he is admonishing, his admiring, if you will, some people that he had under his care, great men. One of these men is this man by the name of Shamah, who slew a whole troop of Philistines, the Bible says. A whole troop of Philistines. And interestingly enough, the scripture portrays and paints out that Shammah is standing here in this field of beans, or lentils, which were basically beans, and while the Philistines are approaching this field, the rest of Israel are fleeing but Shammah is standing sure he's standing firm right there in that that area of this bean patch so to speak and so while everybody else is fleeing Shammah's staying committed committed to the field of lentils committed to the field of beans and one thing that's interesting about that is that that's not a part of Shammah's heritage or his lineage that's not a part of his ancestry amen to be committed The Bible says he was the son of a gi. A gi, we don't know much about him. There's not a lot of stories or anything that tells us in Scripture concerning him, but we know concerning his name. His name meant a fugitive, a wanderer, a rover, one that was not usually committed, one that picked up and left. And yet here is the son of a gi, a son of someone that's usually not committed, he's staying firm right there in that bean patch. One thing that that spells to me personally is this, is that you can come from homes and families wherever you may come from, and although your legacy might not have been of a family or a home of people that were committed to the house of God or the people of God, that does not have to dictate your commitment. Amen. Or it could even bring it to for everyone today that although we live in a society of non-commitment and non-committal, you know, it's just whatever you want to do, by the seat of your pant type, that does not mean the church of the living God in this hour has to somehow fall prey to the same tendencies. We can be committed. And so uh, he had an ancestry of not being committed, but here he is standing there sure, and he's standing firm there in a... Bean patch, a patch full of lentils, and he's stationed there. Everybody else is fleeing, but he's determined. He has a sound resolve. He's steadfast. He's going to protect this land. He's going to protect all of these things that's right there underneath his feet. And we ask ourselves the question: what caused Shama? What caused him to stand and defend these these beans, these lentils, while the rest of the Israelites were fleeing? I mean, what what was he saying? standing for I mean it's just a field of beans it doesn't seem like much amen and I don't believe listen to me this morning I do not believe that the rest of Israel fled because of the enemy that was approaching that enemy was the Philistines they had fought many and several uh, intense battles Uh, with the philistines before this was an arch enemy this was not some new enemy Uh, this is something that they had met before this wasn't a foreign foe this is something that they had fought against before so i don't believe that they fled because oh here comes the philistines they had fought battles with the philistines before they had had encounters with the philistines before but i believe the people fled listen to me very well they fled because by their own perception what they were fighting for was not significant enough to sacrifice for by their own perception what they were fighting for would not would not be significant enough sister craig to sacrifice for that was their perception yet somehow through the perception of shama he thought what he was standing in that field for was significant enough to sacrifice if necessary, even his life for. Because again, ladies and gentlemen, where we talk about uh, concerning church life, the tenets of the faith, there is not one single item that is lesser significant than the other. Shamanu, he says, if I give him a barley field today, They'll have a cornfield tomorrow. They'll have a field of beans the next day. They'll they'll have my cattle and my livestock the next day. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Shaman knew this. I do not. I do not want to give up today. What I might have to fight back for tomorrow. And so we need that type of mentality in the church that there is nothing concerning this word that is insignificant maybe through your perception you say well it's not a big deal and so you're not willing to stay committed or fight for it because to you it's less it's less it's not it no great significance but I guarantee you one thing you start letting letting go of a few of these things it'll be some other things tomorrow until there's not any of this left you're not in the church you're not in God's house you're not giving yourself into the Lord you're lost and undone why because you would not fight over the things you thought were insignificant it's all significant the malady is this whatever you give up today if you ever want to get back to that place you're going to have to fight for it to get back there so be careful what you hold loosely because there could be somewhere along the way that you wish you had a strong grasp on that but you let go of it somewhere along the way and now you're finding yourself fighting to. it was many times it's more of a struggle to get it back than what it would have been to just defend what you had you know I have the bean field man I'm possessor of it this is mine this is my bean field at that point in time I'm just defending something that's already mine but whenever I hold that loosely and it's been ripped away from me And we gotta form a militia. And we gotta, uh huh. We gotta make sure we have enough people because now this isn't in our grasp. It's in their grasp. And and so we gotta be a little bit more diligent and a little bit more work involved to do this my God why can't we just hold on to the things that are ours rather than let go of them we would, we would save ourselves a lot of headache a lot of frustration in the church in our spiritual lives our spiritual lives how, how many times Bishop have we over time and even in meetings just here recently we talk about some of those crucial things of prayer and Bible reading and worship very very simple and some people well that's just something insignificant You know, if you want to, you can. If you don't want to, no big deal. But what happens is people let go of those things. And then they spend weeks, sometimes years, getting back to where they once was concerning their worship and their prayer and their Bible. you got to be committed to this thing. It's not a new fold. It's not a new adversary on the horizon. We're scratching our head like, wow, this is new. No. Same old tactics, same lies, same deceptions. So the enemy hasn't changed, but you know what happens? The level of our commitment changes. I wonder if somewhere in the past, of the life of Israel along with Shama, there had been more men standing in the field than there was now in Shama's day but somewhere along the line what happened some of their commitments some of their perceptions of the value of the bean field changed let me tell you we're living in that day in society why are you talking about this morning Brother McGee? because we're living in that day in society because there's some fields in the apostolic church that there would be a whole lot more people still standing in been fleeing from if they held fast to their commitments there are, there are some old fields of, of life of purity old fields of life of separatedness that years ago there are a whole lot more men still standing in because they were committed to the word and committed to the message. But now some of those same people are fleeing from it. Why? Because they don't perceive those things as significant as they were back then. Well, I'm here to tell you today they are just as significant as they ever been. Amen. I don't know if you... Remember it's been some time ago. I'll just share it again though because I think it's just it's pertinent for now. That is I read one time about a Romania preacher. you maybe some of you remember this when I get into this, but he said you talk about commitment, he said all the time in America, but we talk about surrender in Romania he said what's the difference he said well you see when you make a commitment to someone you are in control you decide what you're going to do then you do it but when you surrender to another person you put the other person in control and they decide what you're going to do and you do it he says we need to get away from the idea per se of commitment move towards surrender but if I could just alter that a little bit maybe we just need to commit to surrender." Because we could, work up, we could work up a grocery list of things that we need to commit to. We could sit down right now and we'll have people start hollering stuff out. And we could just start writing away. You need to commit to this, you know, this. And before you're done, you're feeling a little intimidated, you know, about the things that we really need to commit to. But if we could just commit to be surrendered to the Lord, commit to be a servant, commit to be a servant, then the list will get, the list will get taken care of as long as we just commit to be a servant commit to surrender whenever we commit and and surrender our control unto the Lord then all those other things that we would have made on that list will will be taken care of so we just need to commit to surrender unto the Lord and while it is valuable to commit we got to also be careful about making uncalculated commitments Sometimes what we find ourselves in trouble with is not it's not withdrawing commitments from valid, good, right things but it's the commitments we make to the invalid. Impure. Because committing to the wrong things and the wrong people can be just as or if not more dangerous than not committing to the right things. Why? Why? because whenever you commit to something wrong and then you wish to commit to something right it takes a breaking of the commitment of the wrong than to commit to the right but if you are just not committed then you just have to commit and so we get these strongholds in our life because we've committed to invalid things wrong things they cover a gamut of, of, a, a spectrum if you will of items but we commit to those and so then our difficulty then in our walk with Lord sometimes is we want to commit to him, but we know in order to do that, we have to break a commitment. Right. Well, yes. Oh, yeah. well, yes. Uh-huh. You know, there's some of that. There's, there's a lot of people, and listen to me, and this is, this is not colored in any direction toward anyone today. I'm just speaking, all right? but there's a lot of people that sitting in, in episcopal churches across America and churches across America in general that in their lives there are some very hard fast tied up habits that's in their life they want to commit to god totally and thoroughly but you know the difficulty of the matter they have another commitment that's got to be broken and therein lies the struggle therein lies the di- di- the difficulty and so we, we we must though, as the scripture told us back in Psalms 37. If you'll notice the three different venues there, we got to commit our way into the Lord. But He also tells us to trust in the Lord, and He also tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord. We we got to put our entire life into someone else's control. That's kind of what trust is all about, and uh, that's hard because by nature we do like to be in control of our lives. We like to have the say what we're going to do in our lives. Amen. But he asked us to to put our trust in the Lord. The Bible says in Jeremiah 10.23, He says, it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Wow. Here I really thought, you know, I had this thing together. But he said, it's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Proverbs 19.21 says, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord... Nevertheless the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. In other words, we have many devices in our heart what we would do or should do or could go or where go, but the counsel of the Lord that's really what needs to stand. That's what needs to be sure in our lives. Amen. If you could just you could just just go to the book of Judges 11. I want to talk about an individual there in Judges chapter number 11. We're talking about having wrong commitments and need to be committed to the right things but sometimes that requires breaking a bad commitment the Bible speaks of, of that in Judges chapter number 11 there's a story there made of a man he's a little, he's a little obscure in scripture quite, quite obscure actually talks of a man by the name of Jephthah in Judges 11. Jephthah. Jephthah had a very impure beginning in his life. The Bible describes that he is the son of a harlot. So he has a tainted stain right there from the get-go. He has the stain that he is the son of a harlot. And as a result of that, he's ousted by his own family. Uh, he's pushed aside. He goes to another city. Uh, because he has the stigma of his life of being the son of a harlot and he, the Bible says even whenever he goes to the, I believe it's the city or the land of Tob that that he, he kind of encircles himself and gathers himself with some vain men, vain men I mean his life has already been stigmatized by being the son of a harlot so I got to live up to what the stigma in my life is because this is what they label me, this is what they say I am and so you know I I've got to live the way that I am perceived and thought of. And so he surrounded himself with vain men. The Bible says at a particular time in his life then... Uh, that there were some that come, some of the land of Gilead that come and asked him that he would somehow be a captain over them, that they wanted to go to war against the Amorites, I believe it is. He, he want, they wanted to go to war uh, against them, and they wanted him to lead them in battle. And he's like, what in the world are you, coming, you know for me now? He said, why do you want this now? I'm, I'm the son of a harlot. You know, I've surrounded myself with vain men. And, and, uh, and they said, well, this is what we want. He says, well, can we make a little deal here? that if, if whenever the day's end, that we're victorious or I'm victorious or we get victory then that you will perpetually make me your captain you'll make me over them now I don't know I don't know all of the uh, uh, the mind game or the theory and the thoughts behind these people coming and seeking out Jephthah since he was the son of the harlot and he, he had been ousted and pushed away from them and now they're drawing him in you know just through my human thinking I'm thinking to myself maybe they think well you know here's a good way to get rid of him if we take him out in battle and he fails he dies it's said and done it's over but nevertheless, he says, "Let's just make a little plea bargain here. That if we're successful, and we do do all this, and that that you'll just make me head over all of you, and we will be cap- and I will be captain, and all this." What he was looking at, at was for a change in life. He was looking at to change his stigma, to change what he was known for. That I I've been tainted by being the son of a harlot, and all those things. And this is this is a, 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 a opportunity for something to change. I could be known as a victorious warrior, you know, some great captain. And so, if all this happens, let me be captain and so they're going to go to battle and Jephthah he he talks to God now he says you know I'm really needing success in this battle because I'm needing my story of life to be rewritten and he makes a vow with God he says God he says I tell you what he says if you if you do this if you allow me to be victorious and I can come back home and there'll be victory and I can lose my stigma of, of having been the son of a harlot being known for something different God if you do this the first thing that crosses over my threshold when I get back home he says I will offer it to you as a burn offering they go to battle they are victorious Whew. Could you just feel the relief already coming upon Jephthah? Except as on his ride home, he begins to remember he made a vow and a commitment to God and said, God, if you do this, then whatever crosses over my threshold, I'm going to offer as a burnt offering to you. Whenever it came to pay the vow, made a commitment in the moment, you know, we're good at doing that. We have loose lips Oh, God, if you just take care of this, I'll give $1,000 to foreign missions. God does it. You're like, oh, God, can we renegotiate? Uh-huh. See, we have loose lips in our commitments whenever we're at the place during our commitment at that time that we're needing to be on the receiving end. But whenever it comes that we need to be on the paying end. Oh, that's when a memorial is very, very, very trustworthy. You look back to it and say, oh, I did say that. Uh huh. And so here he is, he's riding back home. I mean, what's going to come across the threshold? Will it be a lamb? Maybe they got a domesticated goat that's just, you know, just like one of the family. No. What would come across the threshold that day out to meet her father would be his daughter. The first thing that came across the threshold was his daughter. I can see his heart dropping down to his knees. God, I said, if you do this, I said, whatever came across at this. We think, man, God, you're awful cruel. You could have caused anything to pass across the threshold. You could have caused the lamb to cross past the threshold, but his daughter. The Bible says it was his only daughter matter of fact, he didn't have any other son or daughter. This was the only child. And God caused that to pass over the threshold. But listen to me. Just follow the stream of thought. Before the vows were ever made, before the commitments were ever made, while he still had the stigma of being the son of a harlot, while he still was surrounded by vain men and he had the old label upon his life, undoubtedly that only daughter was the thing he had loved the most. And whenever God caused her to pass over the threshold that day, he basically, in doing that, had a question for Jephthah. And it's a question for all of us. Because the greatest trial of your vow, the greatest trial of your commitment today, will be if you're willing to sacrifice the things you had loved the most in order to keep the commitment that you made with God. I know we're talking about daughters and animals all that, but boil that down just to the things that you love the most. Are you willing to sacrifice the things that you love the most in your life to retain your commitment to God? the list go on. I, I, get outside of the picture of sons and daughters right now, OK? You need to get into the items of, of things and possessions and hobbies and extracurricular activities and... What was his commitment all about? His commitment was all about a new identity. His commitment was about I, I was the son of a harlot now I'm going to be known as a warrior. I was known as the defeated. Now I'm going to be known as a defeater. And God, if you do all this for me, then I'm going to commit to you. But what's coming over that? God, you're saying, in order for all this to happen, i got to allow the thing that I had loved the most to be sacrificed. That's really where the crux of committing our way to the Lord is. And it's just not a one-time episode. And you'll stand with me today. It's just not a one-time episode at an altar when we come to know the Lord. A commitment is something that we do every day. Every day. We've got to ask ourselves, is the life and the commitment I have to the Lord more important than anything else? Anything else. Things that I had loved more than God in my life. We've got to commit our way into the Lord we embower our heads all across this building today and these altars are open. And Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.